Today, we get a weather update from Bruce Burnett with Market Farm. It's early days here, so, uh, um, uh, you know, in a place that can get snowstorms into May, you, you never say never in terms of the last snowfall. But it's, uh, I think, uh, fairly encouraging uh, from a temperature point of view over the next two, three weeks, um, where we're going to see above normal temperatures uh, throughout the prairies. Um, but here in southern Manitoba, uh, we're uh, probably going to be a little bit higher than than normal uh, compared with some other parts of the prairies, uh, just because uh, we uh, have cooler temperatures at this time of year usually. So, um, yeah, it is looking like uh, certainly an early start to spring. Uh, but again, um, uh, we've just missed, uh, at least in the Red River Valley, um, parts of uh, southwestern Manitoba, we, we just missed major snowstorms. So, um, and again, it's uh, uh, just one of those things where if the storm track is right, we'll still get snow sometime this uh, over the next month or so. Talk about the uh, soil moisture um, situation. I know some areas are still uh, are pretty dry. Yeah, I think, uh, again, for most of the prairies, we are very, very dry. It's um, basically uh, um, uh, one of the factors that we had last year uh, in, in terms of the moisture we got during the growth, growing season. So um, uh, sort of the region east of Regina into um, uh, Manitoba, we really received uh, significantly below normal precipitation during last growing season. And then uh, on top of it, now we've had one of the drier winters on record. So uh, the combination of both factors means that soil moisture supplies are limited. Overall, across the prairies, we still have uh, a very dry soil moisture subsoil moisture reserves. There are very low subsoil moisture reserves in all places except uh, across the parkland in Alberta as well as into parts of Saskatchewan where where we still have a decent reserve of soil moisture, but the remainder of the prairie starting off the year very dry. Any indication, you know, as we head, as we look further out, you know, heading into spring, what's, what we'll see in terms of um, weather? The, the longer term forecasts again, are pointing to a, a, a probably a more of a normal type of uh, weather pattern developing this spring. So uh, again, we'd probably see those above average temperatures eventually move back closer to normal levels. In terms of precipitation, I think the main concern that I have is out in the western prairies, uh, where it looks like we probably will have. Uh, a drier than normal start up to the spring, but uh, again, um, with these warm temperatures and, and basically dry conditions for the past uh, uh, four or five months here, it, it's uh, uh, certainly a concern as we move into the spring season. That was Bruce Burnett, Director of Weather and Markets Information for Markets Farm. Sean Sanko is an agronomist with the Canola Council of Canada. He took part in a top-notch seminar this winter looking at grain storage. Sanko's presentation focused on harvest loss. With more on that, here's Glendalee Allen-Vossler. 
Sean's overall presentation focused on harvest management. As part of that, he talked about harvest loss. One of the reasons we see the, the losses is over-reliance on loss monitors. So loss monitors can be useful, but only if they've been, actually been calibrated. So there's been um, you know, ground truthing with some sort of a loss measuring tool, which we're going to talk about, and um, checking that against the actual losses that are in the loss monitor. And this is becoming even more important now as a lot of the new combines um, come with self-drive systems where, you know, there's the limitations on how fast the combine goes. Um, there's a lot of inputs put in there. It's engine load, um, load coming to the feeder house, but also maximum loss on the loss monitor, which um, if that loss monitor isn't calibrated, um, really means nothing. So we can see high losses with those automatic systems if they haven't been set. Looking at the combine efficiency curves, um, and this is for all crops. So we usually talk about, you know, staying under that 2% grain loss. And the reason for that is um, that's kind of where the, your maximum combine efficiency is. Um, you, know, you, you want to have as little losses as possible, but also we know machinery is getting more and more costly every year. And you've got to be able to to use it efficiently to, to make payments on that equipment and get enough crop off. So you can see by the curve that in that one to two percent um, loss gain you know you're, you're gaining a mile an hour um, from three to four so that that's a fairly uh, large gain in in productivity for that one percent loss but you can see the next as you go from two to three percent um, it's only half a mile an hour and you lose another percent so that the curve goes up quite sharp after two percent that's kind of why we say that you know being under that two percent losses is kind of the the best efficiency for your combine he focused in on a 2019 research trial from PAMI that looked at harvest loss and what was happening. What this project did was um, the producer was combining his own field and um, PAMI would come with, uh, with the loss trays. Um, one of the two of the companies out there provide loss trays that, um, and I'll talk a bit about them later to put behind the combine. Um, the producer would combine as he normally would and then PAMI would um, drop the tray and do the loss measurements. And, and what they found over the um, over this time was the losses range from 0.2 to 4.1 bushels per acre loss in this trial. Um, 1.3 bushels per acre was the average loss. And the interesting thing was there was, when you looked at, broke the data up, um, brand, model, age wasn't a factor. A lot of times you hear it's a certain color of combine or, you know, the the older ones throw over more than the newer ones, but what they found from the data, they had a, a wide selection of both brands and um, years of manufacture, and there there wasn't a significant difference um, between that. What really came down to was adjusting to environmental conditions, and that can be from you know throughout the season, um, but even in a day uh, when you first start harvesting in the morning, that material is tough. Um, a lot more of it will stay together, the stems, um, the branches end up going through the, the actual processor, you know, through the rotor, over the walkers, out the back of the combine. Uh, whereas you get uh, dry, middle-of-the-day heat, that canola material really breaks up, um, goes through the separator grates, and ends up on the, the sieve overloading it. So um, losses were reduced when producers actually went out and changed their settings through the day, not just having one canola setting, but having multiple canola settings depending on environmental conditions. The Harvest Loss Calculator is just one of a number of tools that are available on the Canola Council of Canada website. For Golden West, 
I'm Glendalee Allen Vossler. Thanks, Glendalee. That's it for the Prairie Eggwire for today. If you have any questions or opinions to share, send them to us by email, thefarmdesk at goldenwest.ca. On behalf of Glendalee Allen Vossler, I'm Corey Canute. Thanks for listening and have a great afternoon. The Prairie Eggwire will return tomorrow on the Golden West Farm Network.